Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. <laughs> well, good morning again, Life in the Sun. Ooh, I'm a little hot this morning, aren't I? Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Are we ready to receive God's amazing word? You know, it's funny that I haven't actually heard that in, in a while. We used to do it. Uh, at our last church, like every Sunday. And so when I heard this, it was, it was, it was kind of cool. But today, I just want to start um, by thanking, you know, Pastor Mark, again, for giving me the opportunity to share with you guys. It's always an honor. And uh, I just want to say a quick prayer before I get started. Is that all right? Amen. Father, we just come before you this morning. And I, I just lift up to you what has been prepared and what you've shared in my heart, Father. I pray from this point on that the words that I share are yours and yours alone. And Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and anoint the ears of the hearers. Rest on their hearts, Father, so that they can receive what you have for them. Because you are good, you are powerful, and you are amazing. So Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. All right, so this morning, I got a preliminary question for you guys. How many of you guys are going through storms in your life right now? Any storms out there? Amen. We're like, Chris, come on, are you serious? There's storms every day, right? But, you know, we've been around long enough to realize that Storms come no matter whether we want them to or not. We want the smooth sailing. We want the boat to go and it to be a, a luxury cruise. And we don't want to be screaming for dear life when we're going through this walk that we have with God. Amen? So go ahead, bring up the slide. Today I want to really discuss to you what it means to stay in the boat. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we did a... Part of the, the last series, uh, Beyond the Signs, we covered Jesus walking on water. And during that, that study, that sermon, it was really about him walking on water more than it was about the storm and the boat. And, you know, some of it was uh, covered in what we're going to cover today. It's a, just a different scripture. But I want to focus more on the journey this morning. I want to focus on the actual getting in the boat and where the boat is taking us. Amen? So if we look at the scripture that I have, it says, uh, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of our souls. That's right out of 1 Peter. And before we go into the scripture, I just want to kind of set it up, okay? As I was reading this, as God does when he begins to reveal things to us, the amazing thing is it's a really an analogy of our journey with God. From the moment that we step off in faith into the relationship with him, the journey's on. Amen? We're getting in the boat, okay? So from that, that perspective, I want you to kind of keep that in the back of your mind as we read through the scripture. All right, go ahead. So as the evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. 
although other boats followed, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So we want to start with that, that, that key word at the, the very last word of this, this section, faith. Because it takes faith to step into the boat, amen? When we get called into this new life with Christ, we've had an awakening, okay? And with that awakening comes some trepidation, comes some excitement, but it also comes with a whole list of assumptions and expectations, amen? So depending on where we grew up, depending on our uh, family background, depending on the situations or circumstances we may have grown up in, all those assumptions and expectations are gonna be different for each and every one of us. So how does God corral us into one common understanding of what it means to be in the boat with him. Well, I'm going to present to you today, it is through storms. And it's not because God sends them your way. The storms are here. No matter what, we're going to go through them. But here God is going to begin to use these storms to stir stuff up inside of us, reveal things to us. Amen? Because storms they really reveal the truth. We can't go through a storm and act differently than our character will allow us. So if, just like the disciples, we're in the boat and a storm comes, sometimes we might need a rebuke, right? We look at that and we go, Jesus, come on. Don't you get it? The storm is horrible. But Jesus wasn't focusing on the storm. Jesus was focusing on the destination. And he's calling us, what, what destination is, is in your heart? Where did you think we were going? Right? This is, we weren't going out for a jet ski cruise across Lake, the, the, the Sea of Galilee. We had a purpose. If you remember your scriptures right after this, this is where Jesus goes to the Decapolis. And he casts, what is it, legion? Out of a guy, spiritual warfare 101. He was going there with a mission. And the disciples were, where are we going? What's next? This is going to be amazing. And they went to the other, they were going to the other side, and then a, a storm arose. Amen. So let's go to the next scripture. So, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. See, notice it didn't say if, it said when, right? Consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. But how many of us really feel that way when we're going through troubles? We don't have that perspective. But maybe God wants to help us develop that perspective 
Storms and troubles and trials, they're never easy. But as I've mentioned before, you know, we go to the gym, we study late nights for our degrees and pass exams and study for our driver's test, right? But it's okay to go through that kind of trial, that kind of pain and suffering, because we can, we can see the results. The problem with us right now is our results is through the eyes of faith. It's being made real by the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And sometimes the world that we see around us is a little bit more real than God within us. And that's what God wants to help us massage each other with. And that's why we have this big boat. We're not in little individual boats, fending for ourselves, you know, saying, hey, man, I'm over here. How you doing over there? My, my boat's fine. I got a big motor, and, you know, I'm, I'm really going fast. But meanwhile, poor Van over there is saying, my motor's broke, man. <laughs> I got the paddle out, and I'm, I'm trying my hardest. So that's not what it is. We are in this boat, this body of Christ, right, where we're meant to be with each other and, and help each other through the storms of life, and that's what he's called us to do. So let's continue. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Amen? Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled, get this, as the waves of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, for their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. So again, these storms that we have in our life, God might be allowing them for the purpose that maybe we have a divided loyalty in our heart. We're not quite sure. You know, it sounds good, sounds great. I love this, you know, that God came and died for me and, and provided a new life for me. But, you know, Chris, sometimes this is so hard. And I can't always do the right thing. It doesn't, it just doesn't fit. I, I end up reacting the wrong way. I end up feeling like I'm in Romans 7, 25, right? Where it says the very thing that I want to do, I don't do. But the very thing I should do, I, or that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And so this is the journey. We're in the boat. We're going to the other side. This is the process. We need to trust the process. And we're in the boat together. Amen? But you know what? The bottom line here is following God without faith is what? Impossible. We cannot follow God based on our own reasoning, based on what we think we can come up with and go down the list and say, eh, okay, that sounds reasonable, God. I will go with you. Because invariably along the way, God is going to throw in some or allow some stuff to happen that's going to challenge our own reasonability, our own ability to judge or have wisdom. 
Because God's wisdom is not of this world. It's higher than ours. So it's always going to happen. If we're relying on our checklist in our head on what is right and wrong, we're not going to do very well. Because this is not a common thing. Amen? We're being called out by God the Father to follow him and trust in him. And there's always going to be things that are going to be contrary to that. There's going to be things in your flesh. There's going to be things in your life that are going to struggle against that. But be of good cheer is what he says. And that's what we want to try to encourage this morning is be of good cheer as we travel this journey together. Let's lift each other up. Let's not tear each other down. Let's pour into each other and not demand people pour into us. Because the Holy Spirit has been given and supplied to each, each one of us in such a measure that we could never, ever, ever run out. Amen? It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all, genera- or to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. That's Luke 24, 47. But when I was doing my study, you know, I really, I like to dig into the Greek and get into the words and find out, okay, what's at the root of this word? Because we can even read through all the different translations and come up with, you know, well, my favorite translation is the message or the Amplified Bible or whatever. So we can come up with some different meanings and understandings of what the word is. But when you begin to study everything and try to put it together, you get a a deeper understanding of what God is trying to say. So the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which means simply to change one's mind or belief. But when you look at it deeper, it's a change of heart. Something different has captured your heart. So look at the area where your storm is this morning. Is it an affection of the heart? Are there things in your life that maybe are contrary to God that have captured your heart? Just a question. So I got three points that I'm just going to go over this morning uh, in relation to these areas that God is looking for us to address. And so we want to understand, you know, what is it that we need to change? A change in what we put our trust in is really what God wants us to change. So here's the first one. The the first part that God really wants us to understand is how sinful we really are. We live in a day and age where, you know, we think we're good enough. You know, I'm... I'm not as bad as this guy sitting next to me or this gal. I may not be as good as this one, but I'm good enough. I'm I'm doing okay. But let's read God's word and see what he says. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and not their money, or and their money. You know, we could stop right there and not even read the rest of it. How many of us 
would even begin to admit how selfish we are. I know I am. I remember, you know, years ago, I went on a missions trip to Yap, and uh, it was always the, the tease back then because, you know, I, I, let me set it up. We were going to Ulithi, and th- there was two, op- two, two modes of transportation, either 12 hours on a boat barfing over the side or a 20-minute plane ride. Which one do you think I was, uh, I was going for? I want the 20-minute plane ride, right? I didn't want to sit on that boat like this for 12 hours. I would have been green. I mean, I would, it would, the, the days out on Ulithi would have been miserable. And so what did I do? I whined and complained. and I eventually got my way. But when you look back on it, it's inherently selfish. You know, we, we make excuses and think, well, yeah, I got to do that because if I, if I go that route, you know, when I get there, I'm going to be no use. I'm going to be sick and, you know, the purpose that I'm going there for is to be useful, not to be useless and be sick and it's stuck in the hotel. So that's what we use. We, we, simple, we have simple uh, excuses that we always inject into our selfishness of why we want things our way. But God is also calling us out to be something different, and that's what this is. So let's continue. For people, I'm sorry, and their money, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving, and they will slander others and will have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. So stay away from people like that. And what stuck out with, for me in this was it says they will act religious. That means it's people sitting right in here with us. Could be us. Because sometimes we just fake it until we get there. But I want to encourage you guys, don't. Let it all out. Be real. Be real with the people around you, the people that are discipling you. The problem comes is when you've been a a believer for quite some time, and maybe you're still struggling, and it's just simply embarrassing to come out that you're still struggling. But trust me, it never ends well. You're going to struggle until you connect with somebody, until you allow God and the Holy Spirit to deal with those issues that are in your heart. And it's really not about what you've done. It's more about who you didn't bring it to. In your heart, you might be, oh, God, please help me. Oh, God, please help me. But God has done what? In In Ephesians 4, 11, it says what? God gave pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists for the sake of building up the body of Christ. And even Jesus, or Paul also said that we are to confess our sins one to each other, pray for one another so that we may be healed. 
It's not so that we can go and gossip or go and, and you know, lift up one person over another or tear down somebody over another. That's not what it is. It's about the salvation of your soul. Because today, I really feel God is saying it's about faith. God wants you so zeroed in on who he is that nothing distracts you along the way, whether it's a storm or not. God wants you there. But if you are struggling, the storms will cause you to go either one of two directions, either to God or to the world. Amen? This scripture here really touched me. I was wavering on whether or not to share it this morning, but I just felt God say yes because I was listening to uh, any Francis Chan fans out there. I love listening to him. He, dude rocks. But anyway, he was talking about the holiness of God and what woke him up. I don't know if you ever noticed that whenever he gets up to speak, he will actually get down on his knees and pray. And, you know, some people do it for show, but I can tell you right now, this guy does not. This guy was impacted. And when I read through this scripture, after listening to what he spoke about this, it even jolted me. I had to, wait a minute, this is, this is maybe something I need to refresh myself with. So let's read. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet, I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. We serve a holy God who is separate from us. In Francis's message, the one thing that he said that, that just caught my ear and I was just blown away by it, in perspective, how many of us have actually met people or even Maybe in the past said this ourselves. Oh, yeah. When I get to heaven, I got some questions for God. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, six seraphim angel, get, get out of the way. Just this whole thing going on in heaven right now, just stop. I got questions. Do we really think that's what's going to happen? Is that the kind of God that we serve? No. That's what the enemy wants you to think. That's what he wants to get inside is that pride, that insidious pride that we lift up and we think we can bring it before God and he's got to answer our questions. The truth is, no, 
Prepare your heart now. He's a holy God. He loves you deeply, so deeply that he wants to remove the very thing that you lift up before him. He's not angry at you. He wants you with him. But pride is so, so insidious. It is so tricky. It is so deceitful. It puts worth where there is no worth. It puts hope where there is no hope. It puts conditions where there shouldn't be any at all. Amen? Next slide. So the last one that I want to cover this morning is trusting in our own basic goodness. Maybe the storm wants to reveal this to you. Maybe you have been trusting in your own basic goodness. You've been doing okay. Why am I getting this storm, Lord? I'm, I'm a good person. I don't deserve to go through this. But what does the scripture say? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and we fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. But people are counted as righteous not because of their works, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. We got to put the faith before the works. In fact, that's part of our problem. Maybe God is trying to show us that we're just trying to do this on our own and in our own strength, and we just keep failing. And sometimes we, we do. We just, we got to stop, and we just got to kneel, and we got to pray, and we got to trust. Because maybe the storm is revealing that we're putting our trust in something that doesn't hold water. It's not a boat. It's a sinking ship. And you're going to end up in the storm crying out for God to rescue you. But God be praised, he will. No matter how many times you fall. He said, anyone who calls on me, he will answer. That's the good news. That's what gets you up off your feet and realizing, yes, I was there, but now I'm here. I want, I want more out of this life but you know what? I want what you want, God. Here's my dreams. I lay them out before you. But Lord, you choose. Because I know then whatever dream I follow, it's going to be because of you. Amen? Next slide. Trusting Jesus. I'm sorry, this is the third one. My bad. I don't know how to count. Obviously. I can't even count to three. That's bad. Trusting in Jesus as the only way of salvation, the only one who can make a person righteous. So there's the third reason for a storm. Maybe you, you, you know who, who God is and you believe that, yeah, Jesus is probably real and, you know, I love this gospel and, you know, but there's other ways, right? You know, we don't have to follow Jesus and, be radical and give up our lives and 
that's just crazy, right? No, it's the truth. Got to come back to the truth. There's no other name given under heaven, right? For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders, you builders, the builders of your lives, rejected has now become the cornerstone. That's us. We have rejected him in the past. And I pray that everyone here this morning has truly received him, truly. For there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. No other name. If I knew the song, I'd sing it for you. No other name. But I don't know it. I know there's a song out there. There's got to be. If there isn't, we'll write one, right? Romans 3.22 says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Because who we are is often tied to what we've done. What we've done is tied to what we believe. We change what we believe when we repent. Next slide. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and begin closing. Uh, these are a couple of scriptures, and I got a video, very short video. It's only one minute. Don't worry. I'm not going to make you stay too long for that. But I think it'll touch you, and I got a little narrative to go with it. So I just wanted to cover these scriptures because I want you to understand it's not all bad news. See, we wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need the good news if God wasn't as terrifying as he really is. His judgment on sin is coming. We don't want to be there in the midst of that and be counted in with his judgment. Especially when he loves you so much and has given you a way of escape. He's given you the boat. Get in the boat. Come on. Get in the boat, brother. We're going to the other side, right? Even if we got a paddle, they didn't have motorboats back then. But it's about the journey. It's about trusting the process. Even if you're struggling in certain areas of your life, don't let them consume you. Don't let them overtake you. Don't let them tempt you to jump out of the boat. Or vice versa. Don't let... Don't let them tempt you to kick Jesus out of the boat. Don't do it. So let's read. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me. What does that say? Who is it? Anyone. Has God left out anybody? No. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Sometimes we don't believe that because we don't see it when we look in the mirror. But God wants us to press on, right? Get, the, get down to the matter. Get down to the point where we begin to truly follow him. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask me for anything. I love those words. Anyone and anything. We can ask. 
in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. But we do have to qualify this scripture because he does say in another section of scripture, if you pray according to my will, it will be done. Obviously, we can't ask for, you know, new cars and new houses and to be rich and famous and be the next, you know, rock star or whatever, unless it's in God's will for you, okay? That's the big part. That's John 14. So in John 17, this is the famous unity scripture where he really prayed for us. I love this scripture, but I just pulled out a nugget from it. I am in them, and you are in me. Think of it as we are in the boat, and he is in the boat. uh, You know what I mean. May they experience such perfect unity. With who? First, with God. So if you are perfectly united with God and he's in the boat as a person of Jesus with you, are you going to make it to the other side if you've gotten in the boat with him? Absolutely. (laughs) Amen. Right? Even though we're peeking over the bow of the boat, watching the storm going, Lord, this is crazy. Right? But I'm making it. I'm traveling with him and I'm going to make it. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Do you realize sometimes it's not just other people seeing Jesus in us. It's seeing Jesus in us. It's the unity. When you walk into a a place and you see that there's such unity, you want to join it. You don't want to walk into division, complaining, you know, opinions and uh, little groups and cliques. This is the unity that he's, that he's saying. It's not miracles. It's not, you know, other things that really get, get the world to see Jesus in us. It's unity in the faith. It's unity in purpose. So go to the next slide. I think it's the video, right? Yes. So go ahead and uh, play that video. So oftentimes, this is us. We're just one of the crowd. And we often don't know what's going on around us. Other people are doing their own thing. And as we try to follow Jesus, we even think that things are getting dark around us. And the more that we press into God, the darker things seem to be getting. But if we begin to really let Jesus become the Lord of our life, other people, other people's issues will begin to disappear. And then somebody within us begins to emerge. It's a new image. It's a new life. The very image of Christ becomes more and more as we trust and stay in the boat. And we begin to fade into the background. We begin to really disappear into the personhood of who Jesus is. Until finally, at the very end, the only thing that remains is Jesus. He consumes everything. 
within our lives. He becomes the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and he begins to trust. We trust in him from beginning to the end. Amen? So I'm just going to read through one last scripture, and it's really going to be not just reading. I'm going to pray the scripture over each and every one of us this morning. And it's actually out of Ephesians 1, and it's verses 16 through 23. And this is Paul addressing the Ephesians. And he says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in place in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any rule or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of those, for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Amen? And it's my prayer. So let's just go ahead and pray this morning. Sheila, if you want to come up and, and begin to pray or play in the background as I pray. Let's just bow our heads, and we're going to just begin to close. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you that the calling that you placed on our life to get in that boat, Lord, we can trust you. We can trust you with every aspect of what we go through, no matter what the pain is, no matter what the struggle is, no matter what the trials are, Father. We lay these at your feet right now. And Father, I just pray for each one in this room that is going through a trial. Going through pain and going through suffering even if it's at their own hand that they've developed this, the circumstances that they're in. Father, it says what we just read, that you are far high and above everything in this world and the world to come. And I pray this morning, Lord, that they 
release that to you this morning. They release the past and they look forward to the hope of reaching the other side one day. But Lord, give them the courage and the peace that they need right now in the midst of the storm that they are going to make. That Lord, you're greater than their circumstances. You're greater than their sin. You're greater than their trial and their struggle. And Father, all you're asking of them is to simply believe. Believe that you and you alone can get them to the other side of whatever trial they're in, whatever struggle they're in. Help them stay in the boat, Lord. Help them trust, even though there's a storm raging around them, that they will make it safely to the other side. And Father, I pray for those this morning that have yet to really step into the boat with Jesus. Maybe you've never really understood the process. Maybe you've had questions yourself. And maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit revealed something new and fresh to your heart. And maybe now this morning you're willing to take a a step into the boat with Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, then go ahead and raise your hand and I'll pray with you this morning. Because the power of God's will towards you is greater than even your own doubt. He has provided a way. He has made a way of escape for each and every one of us. Father, we just come before you this morning. Lord, I lift up to you my life, Lord, that at this point in time, I know I need to get in a boat with you. Father God, I trust that you have a way for me. I let go of my old ways. I let go of me trying to figure it out, and I finally just... I just rest at your feet, Jesus. I trust that you and you alone are the one that can help me through to the other side. I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one of God who came and died for my sins that allow me access to the holiest Father of all. Father God in heaven, I thank you for providing a way for me through your son, Jesus Christ. And I confess that my life up until now has not done that. It hasn't put the trust where I needed it. And I put it in you right now, Father. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sins now. Forgive me of my future sins as I try to figure all this out. But the one thing that I'm going to do, Lord, is I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray.